Uh, let's take our Bibles, if you will. And one, uh, one church member told me one time that the singing, without being disrespectful to worshiping to the Lord, it's like the, the vegetables to a great meal. It's, it's a preparation. It's the appetizer to getting into this book, the preaching of the Word of God. And this book is a, is a powerful book. It should be your favorite book. I hope it is. It's something you read very often. Uh, it's definitely something I read very often. Charles Spurgeon said, Fallen or uh, read many books. Charles Spurgeon was a great preacher of the 18th century or 19th century. Uh, read many books, uh, read lots of them, see what other preachers say and do this and do that. Fall in love with the Bible. Fall in love with the Bible. It is a wonderful book and uh, it, will, it will change your life. It changed my life. And uh, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure with a biblical kind of hope, that it will change your life. It will change your life. Turn to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. And while you're turning there, I want to tell you that this passage here is, is believed to be the recording of when Jacob came to be a believer. You know, there's a lot of things, that, and we'll talk about some of these things, there are a lot of things in his past and a lot of things after this, uh, but this is a, it's a turning point in his life. It's where he became a believer. Um, in Colossians chapter, you don't have to turn there, but in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says that through Jesus Christ, He made us, who are believers, meet to be partakers, fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So we are made whole or made fit, made usable uh, through Jesus Christ. And this morning we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1, 28 on how God made Jacob usable uh, here in the Old Testament, how God made Jacob fit to be a partaker of the inheritance, the same inheritance that you and I uh, experience with the saints. So we will look at how, how God changed Jacob. And if you know the story, you know there's a, there's no, there was a big change in Jacob's life, how God changed him from a man of deception to a man of distinction. I guess we can call it that. From a common thief to a crowned prince. There's a difference in the life of Jacob. He actually changed him from Jacob to Israel. To Israel. And our great takeaway this morning as we, as we start off in this text, our great takeaway from this sermon is that God can change a man like Jacob. And if God can change a man like Jacob, not that he's any worse than we are, but that this proves that God can change us. He can change us. And we too, if you're not already, can be fit to be used by the Father. A little background here in Genesis 28. Jacob, he is, of course, part of the promised lineage. He's, he's one of the seeds, right? You know, from Adam um, on to Moses, or, or to Abraham, rather, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so forth. He's in that promised lineage, which leads, of course, to the birth of Christ in the New Testament. Uh, a lineage where each individual part of that lineage, Abraham, Jacob, and so forth and so forth, those individuals, those men, those wives, those families, they were expected to be faithful. They were expected to be just men. They were expected, according to Genesis chapter 12, to be a funnel through which God would bless them and the world. But up until this point, if you read through Jacob's life prior to Genesis 28, it's not so promising. He's not so promising. And his father Isaac didn't even want to pass on the promises to Jacob. He wanted to give it to Esau. 
Now we know the historical narrative. Jacob and Esau were twins. Uh, Jacob, uh, actually Esau, if I remember right, so Jacob came out first and, no, no, let me get that right. So Esau came out first and, and, and Jacob was holding on to his heel. And so they were, they were born there. So Esau is technically the oldest, but if obviously the promised line can only be through one. It cannot be through both of the same generation. God chose Jacob. And he did not choose Jacob, as Paul would elaborate on later, because, because Jacob was better behaved in the womb. That's nonsense. God chose Jacob out of his sovereignty, knowing what to do. He's God. He chose Jacob. Now, this doesn't mean that Esau or anybody today is unredeemable, or that God couldn't redeem him because God chose Jacob, but the lineage was to be through Jacob. But there were a few problems with this lineage, if you will. We already alluded to some of these things. There were a few setbacks, and from a human eyes, looking at you know, God looking down and, 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 and using this lineage from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and so forth, if we were living in the now, if we, were, if we didn't know what the next pages were saying, it looked like there was not going to be a promised line. It did not appear that Jacob would be the best choice. But thankfully, God knows. He always knows. He cannot be fooled nor surprised. So God chose Jacob knowing what the outcome would be. Again, the father of Jacob and Esau was Isaac. And he greatly favored Esau. Esau was a cunning hunter. He was an outdoors man, a man's man. I don't mean Jacob was not a man's man, but he was a, twin, a twin, tent dweller. He lived inside. Maybe he enjoyed video games more. I don't know. But he lived inside the tents. And Esau lived, out, or Esau lived outside in the field. And, and Isaac, being an outdoors man himself, we, we presume, liked Esau better than he liked Jacob. And he even intended to pass on those promises to Esau even after God told him not to do so. God told him it would be in Jacob. But as these two young men grew, Jacob and Esau, Jacob eventually came to a point where he deceived Esau into selling his birthright. Y'all remember the story. The author of Hebrews says that he, he sold it for one morsel of meat. And later on, when it really looked like Isaac was about to bless Esau instead of, or instead of uh, Jacob, in, Esau's, in Isaac's mind anyway, Rebekah, Isaac's wife, Jacob's mother, led her son to deceive her husband. Jacob followed right along. He even dressed up for the part. He even changed his voice, and he presented himself now before his blind father as his brother Esau to steal that blessing to have that birthright. Jacob's name actually means deceiver or supplanter, and his actions of deception, regardless if he's in the lineage of, of Jesus Christ or not, his actions of deception were premeditated wickedness on both accounts, stealing from his brother and deceiving his father. Afterwards, Esau lamented, look up at uh, Genesis chapter 26 or 27, look at verse 36. <clears throat> Well, actually, look at verse 34. And when Esau heard the words of his father, this is after Isaac blessed Jacob instead of Esau, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety, like the devil in Genesis 3. 
and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And he wants to be blessed, but not with the blessing that God blessed Jacob with. Now there have been attempts in, throughout history to justify Jacob's actions. As in, he was only taking what God promised him anyway. But his actions at least from my point of view, and I don't think I'm wrong here, his actions demonstrate a severe lack of faith, an absence even of faith. The promise was indeed to be upon him, upon Jacob, but not like this. God doesn't lead this way. God does not lead with deception, nor was it his plan for Jacob. Well, I know Isaac wants to bless Esau, but Jacob's going, I'm going to rely on Jacob to be deceptive. That's not God's plan. God had a different plan. We will never know what that is because Jacob took God's matters in his own hands, and that happened with Abraham. It seems to be a pattern in, throughout scriptures and in our lives, mind you, especially in my life. So it was not God's plan for Jacob to steal his birthright or his blessing, but Jacob did so. So looking at Jacob, there was a significant character flaw in this man. There was a significant character flaw in the would-be man of God through whom the world should be blessed. This is the man through whom God's going to bless the world. Jacob was indeed a man of deception. And on top of that, so we're looking at problems to, his, to him being the promised child. So number one, he had a problem with deception. Number two, because of that deception, Esau wants to kill him. Esau wants him dead. Look at verse 41 of that same chapter there in 27. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. He wanted him dead. Now, Isaac is not dead yet. He's blind and he's dying. But as soon as he's dead, Esau wants Jacob dead. So to say that this issue here with his character flaws and Esau wanting him dead, to say that it was a setback to him being the promised line, I think would be an understatement. But God didn't give up on Jacob. Praise God. God doesn't give up on us, does he? He hasn't given up on any of us. God didn't give up on Jacob. So let's pick up this narrative. That was kind of an introduction. Let's pick up this narrative where we're at there. He's already stolen the blessing. Isaac has just blessed uh, uh, Jacob with what Esau thought was his blessing, but it was from God. And right there in verse number 1, we'll pick this up in Genesis chapter 28, <clears throat> verse number 1. And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Pandan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, uh, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee. And make thee fruitful and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people. And give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. Verse 5 says, And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to Pandan Aram, and to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. When Esau saw that Isaac blessed Jacob, and sent him away to Pandan Aram to take him a wife from thence, and that it... And that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother, 
and was gone to Padan Aram. And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, then went Esau unto Ishmael and took unto him the wives which he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nabaljath, to be his wife. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, where Abraham came through. And he lighted on upon a certain place, and tarried there all night, because the sun was set, and he took of the stones of that place, and put them for his pillows, and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, at the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it, and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, and the land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee, Look at verse 16. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar, a pillow to a pillar, and poured, upon, poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, or Bethel, but the name of that city was Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give thee. A tenth, give the tenth unto thee. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you this morning. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be gathered together in your name. Lord, we know that this church is more than these buildings, Lord. This is just a place for us to be warm and stay out of the rain, Lord. But we're gathered together as your bride this morning. And Lord, we come to worship you. We come to love you. We come to hear from you so that we can better worship you and serve you. Lord, bless us with your presence, Lord. Lord, help us to, to see from your text, Lord, what you want us to hear, what you want to touch our hearts, Lord. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you use this preacher, Lord, to convey your greatness, to convey the promises that you have in this book, Lord, to convey who you are. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for Calvary. Lord, I know that we're not worthy, Lord, but in spite of us, use us. Lord, in spite of me, use me. And Lord, and I pray for the unspokens that are mentioned earlier. Lord, I pray for the, the many other ones that uh, may be not even uh, listed or lifted up to you this morning, Lord, but you know our hearts. Lord, you know what we need. And Lord, and we, and we bring ourselves to you this morning to ask that you intervene into our lives even this very moment. And Lord, and I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So here I want to talk about in this text what changed Jacob to Israel. I think that's going to be the title of our message this morning, A Changed Man. And we're going to look at Jacob with the understanding that you and I can also be changed. We can be changed as drastically as 
as Jacob was changed. Now, I, I have to be honest, as I put this message together and, and prepared while I was about to sleep last night, the Lord gave me another point which changed the whole message all the way through. And I had to go back through and, and do these things. So I'm excited to preach to you this morning. I'm, I'm excited every time I get to preach to you. Um, but it's, it's always special when God just gives you something last minute. I appreciate it not from there to here. He's done that before. I don't know if y'all remember that, but uh, I appreciate at least, you know, a night prior. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> um, but here we are, a changed man. You and I can be changed people, uh, not with, well, I can say with the help of God, but with no help to us. It's all about getting rid of us and letting Him. The world don't need more of me or you. It needs more of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at a changed man here. We just read verses 1 through 11, and I'm going to point out some things here that are descriptive at first, and then we'll look at how we can apply this description in the text to our lives, if that makes, I hope that makes sense. So number one, we see that Jacob departed. Very simple, a descriptive thing here. We see that he left home, and there were a number of reasons for him leaving home. We already read that Esau wanted him dead, but at, we also see in this text that Isaac told him to leave. Uh, he says, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. And Jacob obeyed his father and mother. So there was a reason for him leaving. And, and to be honest, we won't dwell too much on this first principle, this first point, whatever you want to call it. But there is a reason, I believe, for highlighting it. Jacob certainly needed to be alive, so he had to not be around his brother at this moment. And he certainly needed to be married for him to be the promised seed, even to a godly woman, if you ask me, to fulfill those promises. But at this point in his life, what he really needed was to be alone with God. He needed to be alone with God. And I'm going to get ahead of myself here. We all need to be alone with God. We need to depart from the world. Look at verses 10 and 11 again. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. Verses 11 says, And he lighted, or he found a place, or he entreated upon a place, and tarried there all night, because the sun was set, and he took of him the stones that place of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. He needed to be alone with God. Now, I've, I've been on a couple deployments in my life, my time in the Army, and nothing against my family, nothing against family and friends and all those things that we need them. But there are some times in those deployments where it's just me and God, and there's no other distractions. It's just me and God, not that my family is a distraction. Please don't walk away telling that to my wife. She's not a distraction. She's a helper. She's my, she, it's not about her. It's about the Lord this morning. But get along with God. Now, Jacob may not have planned this, but it's evident that God used these events, like God uses events in our lives today, to get us alone with God. We will get to his meeting with God here in a moment. But while I was preparing this message, this was early on in the week, I was reminded that I myself need time to get alone with God. I need time to get alone with God. I believe God allows these things in our lives, to sometimes blessings, sometimes cursing, sometimes whatever it may be. Sometimes he allows things in our life to... Now, I'm to make, I'm, I am not trying to make God out to be some mean God, but sometimes He allows things in our, life to, in our life to drive us to our knees so we can realize that He's God and we need Him. I believe He allows those things to come into my life, to come into all of our lives, to remind us of Him, to get us to a point where He can speak to us, to get us to a point where He can speak to us. 
You know, it is abundantly clear by our own experience that we need to disconnect from the world on a regular basis and be alone with Jesus Christ, to connect with the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I realize that this is a very simple point, but it is a serious point. It is a very needed point. You and I desperately need alone time with God. That means maybe some times with no Internet, no TV, take the phone and put it somewhere else. Whatever the distraction is, put it all the way. Sometimes I have to get out of my office with my Bible. My computer's there. I've even tried disconnecting the Internet before and, you know, uh, I had it hardwired, and then I find myself just hitting the Wi-Fi button. And I, sometimes you just need to get away from all that, even if it's for good things. Sometimes you're doing good things, but God wants you to do something different. Follow that lead. Get alone with Him. We cannot live a victorious life. I can say personally that I cannot live a victorious life without alone time with God. Get alone with the Lord. Get alone with the Lord. Depart from the world and spend some time with Jesus. Jacob departed. And after his departure, he was alone. I know he was in a dream state here, but he was alone. And in that state of mind, he was completely open to God. I'm trying to convey the point now. In, in Jacob's position there, sleep, mind, I know, we don't, I know we don't turn our mind off, the subconscious works, but the conscience was gone. It was sleeping. I'm trying to get to a point or convey a point where that's where God wants us to be. Not sleeping consciously, but sleeping consciously to the world and conscious to Him and Him alone. Because it was only God speaking when Jacob dreamed. There was no television going on. Like I said, he might have been playing video games in the tent, but all that was out of his mind. He was dreaming and it was God speaking to him. He was alone beneath the stars of heaven and God spoke to him. God spoke to him. Get alone with God. What did Jacob do? How did he respond? Look at verse 12 and 15, 12 through 15. The Bible says that he dreamed. He got alone and he dreamed. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham. Verse 14, I, thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. Verse 15, I am with thee. I will be with thee all the way to the end. I want to point out very, a, a very descriptive thing here that Jacob listened. Jacob listened. I know you're thinking he was dreaming. He didn't have a choice, but we'll get to that. Jacob dreamed and God spoke to him. This dream is, of course, not like our dreams. This was a clear vision from the God of heaven. Hebrews 1 tells us that God spoke in diverse manners unto the fathers by the prophets. And I believe this is one of those diverse ways. Thankfully, you and I have the written Word of God, and we can see exactly what God says anytime we want it. We have the written Word of God presided over by the Holy Spirit of God to lead and guide us today. But God chose a dream to speak to Jacob. I want to also highlight here in the text, and I've kind of alluded to it already, Jacob wasn't a believer yet. And this is the first time in all of Scripture, the 27 chapters prior to this, God has never spoken directly to Jacob, not once. And he broke the silence with this visual aid, if you will, this ladder to heaven, and he started speaking. What's the first thing he said? I am. I am the Lord God of Abraham, the, thy father, and the God of Isaac. He broke the silence with I am. Jacob was only three generations away from Abraham. 
There was Isaac, and then there was Abraham. He was 15 years old when Abraham died. Surely he had heard directly from Abraham. He was probably raised on the knees of Abraham. He heard about the great and wonderful things God did through Abraham. He no doubt heard about Mount Moriah that we talked about last week. He talked. He probably heard about from his own father and Abraham, his grandfather, how Abraham took Isaac to that hill. He was there. He heard these things, no doubt. He heard that God spoke to Abraham and Isaac many times, but he had never heard God speak to him. This was different. This time was different. God said, The land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. God even promised that in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and I will not leave thee. That word for families is the same word used for kindreds. In other words, all kindreds will be blessed. How does that happen? Acts chapter 2, the Lord Jesus Christ, through Jacob's lineage. And we'll get to Jacob's actions here again when he, when he wakes up in verse 16. But I want to point out a couple things here. That Jacob already knew these promises. He already heard them. He grew up listening to them. He already knew every one of these promises. But now God told him anyway. He told him anyway. You know, you know, you hear somebody that makes a promise and you hear it secondly. Like if, if, um, if Axel, you promised me 50 bucks, right? But I heard it from Shannon. I'm like, okay, I mean, I'm, I'm trusting Shannon. I'm going to believe him. But I believe that he believes that Axel told him that he's going to give me 50 bucks, which I really hope is true, by the way. But, <laughs> but if you think about that for a moment... If Axel comes to me and says, hey, I'm going to give you 50 bucks, that's right from Axel. It's from his wallet. That means a, little, it means a little bit more. And I think it means a little more to Jacob here. Jacob's heard from Abraham, God's going to bless you. God's going to do this. God's going to do that. God's going to do that. He's heard from Isaac. God's going to do this. God's going to do this. Now God speaks, Jacob, I'm going to do something for you. There's a difference. There is a difference. There's something significant about hearing the promises of God from God. And while God may not speak to us through dreams, He's spoken. He has spoken to us. We got promises right from God. Yes, God got a hold of Jacob in a diverse manner. But with strong conviction, I can tell you as a preacher of the gospel this morning, He still wants your attention today and He's still speaking to you this morning. He wants your attention right now. The question is, are we listening? Are we listening? We would say, again, that Jacob didn't have much of a choice. He dreamed, but I think there's a difference between hearing and listening. There's a difference. Are you hearing today or are you listening today? Jacob listened. I believe that God wants us to listen right this very moment to what God is saying from His Word. You know, for way too long in my own life, He's tried to get my attention many times. I've shared many, many times with you, I think, probably too many times, how I lived a few years away from the Lord. And as he tried to get my attention, I unfortunately didn't care enough to listen. I saw those things. Even other preachers and godly men pointed those things out of my life. I heard them, but I did not listen to them. He constantly, God, allowed things in my life to draw me to him. I know I'm not the only one, but I ignored them. I did not listen. I let sinful pleasures of life get in the way. I let blessings of life get in the way. 
I let life get in the way. Friends, these things ought not to be. We must listen to God. He's speaking, and He wants your attention as much as He wanted Jacob's attention. Jacob departed from the world, and God spoke to him in a dream. Again, Hebrews says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. Friends, I must say to you that God is speaking to you. He is speaking to you. He has sent Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, to die for our sins. What more could He say than Jesus Christ? The Word literally becoming flesh. The blessings from God, from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob are for us, but only through Christ. I hope you know Him. You know, I often wonder why God chose to speak through dreams in the Old Testament, and even some in the early stages of the New Testament. Was it because the rest of Jacob's life was filled with other things? Was his mind a hundred miles an hour in the wrong direction while he was awake? Was it because when Jacob slept that the only thing God had to compete with was just Jacob laying there in his sleep? There was no noise. Jacob was subconscious, if you are, unconscious, sleeping, however you want to call that. God didn't have to compete with all the noise in the world. He just spoke to Jacob. I wonder if he's speaking to us, but there are too many distractions. It's too loud, too loud. Again, I don't believe God speaks to us like this through dreams anymore because we have the Word of God, but I do believe he speaks. Again, we just need to get alone with him, open our hearts and minds to him, to him and him alone. Remember, remember Elijah when he greatly wanted to hear the word of the Lord? It wasn't the strong wind that came by. It wasn't the earthquake that came by. It wasn't the fire or the lightning, however you want to understand that. What was it? Still, small voice. Now, God could have spoken through any of those things, and He leads and guides in many ways, but He just wants us to get along with Him, to ignore the world, suppress all the noise that's around us, and listen. Listen to God. And this narrative certainly doesn't stop here. Praise the Lord, Jacob's next actions proved that he listened, that he paid attention to what God was saying to him. Jacob departed from home. He dreamed this dream, and then there's an interesting part here. He vowed a vow. We don't hear a lot about vows anymore, maybe wedding vows, but that's about it. We'll make a a vow to our spouse, but just about nowhere else, really. Look at verse 16. And Jacob awaked. You can almost say that awake spiritually and physically. Out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. He wasn't wrong. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he put for his pillows. He laid it uh, for a pillar and poured oil upon it, and he called the name of that place Bethel, or Bethel, but the name of that place was called Luz at first. And Jacob, verse 20, vowed a vow. He vowed a vow. If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, I will get and give me bread and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give a tenth unto thee. Jacob vowed a vow. Remember in the beginning I mentioned that Jacob's life 
as one to receive the promises wasn't looking so great. Things are changing here. This all changed right here. I believe with many other commentators that this is the moment when Jacob believed. He awoke physically and spiritually. Again, this is the first time we read about Jacob, not only God speaking to him, but Jacob worshiping. Jacob worships nowhere else here, first time. Surely the Lord is in this place, he said. So convinced that God spoke to him, so much did he believe that he rose up early in the morning to build an altar and worship. When do, we, when do we raise up early, not to go to work, but just to get along with God? There are so many patterns in here that we can find from Jacob. Even the Lord rose up early to get a hold of his father to meet with him. Jacob rose up early to build an altar and to worship. And it was on this very special morning that Jacob vowed to follow the Lord. He made a decision. He, if it were in the New Testament or today, it'd be like, I have decided to follow Jesus. That's what Jacob is saying here. I vow a vow. There was new life in his heart. He was a changed man. New life in his heart. And I could even say maybe a new spring in his step. He was a changed man. He got along with God. He listened to God and believed God. And then he worshiped God. And then he made a vow to God, a vow to follow God. And what a great pattern for us to follow. If, you know, if God is speaking to you this morning, I not only pray that you listen, but also that you believe. Jesus told the woman that touched his garment in Mark 5, Be not afraid, only believe. Romans 10, 9 said, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. We have to do that or receive that before we can make any vows. To Jacob... His dream was probably much more than he realized. I believe that. He saw a ladder from the earth to heaven with angels going to and fro. It's now referred to as Jacob's ladder. But in John chapter 1, verse 51, Jesus elaborates a little bit on this. And to Nathanael, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open." And the angels of God ascending and ascending, not on a ladder, on what? The Son of Man. The Son of Man. You see, Jesus is our stairway to heaven. Not that ridiculous song. Jesus is our stairway to heaven. Only through Christ do we have a connection between heaven and earth. He is the only way between man and God. And Jacob believed. He didn't know all that together, but he believed what God gave him. And really, that's all God asks of us today. Believe what, he's, what has been revealed. And when he believed, he made a vow to God. And I believe that vow to God is evidence of his belief in God. It's also evidence of our belief in God. Have you ever, anybody made a vow to follow the Lord? You probably have and just don't know it. I would even say if you are a Christian, you've probably made a vow. You've decided to follow the Lord. You've made a vow to the Lord. I think by far and large, the world, Christians even, have forgotten what it means to vow a vow. We don't want to break our vows. And we know that proverb very well, right there in Ecclesiastes 5, better, it's better to, to, to not make a vow than make a vow and break it. We, we know that off the top of our head. And while God certainly doesn't require us to make a vow, that is clear in Scripture, He does require us to be honest. And this proverb there in Ecclesiastes 5, I don't think it was written to scare us from making vows, but to scare us from breaking vows. I'm not suggesting that we make a vow to God lightly. 
And if God's not put that in your heart, don't do it. But we can seriously use some Christians under oath today. We need them. This world, this community that we have, this church and our families desperately need Christians to simply stand up and say, I'll follow. I will. I will. No matter what God asks me to do, I will be faithful. We need those people to make a vow to God no matter what. We need men like Jacob who vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me, then shall the Lord be my God. If God will be with me, then shall the Lord be my God. Jacob vowed saying that the Lord would be his God as long as the Lord was with him. How long is that going to be? Look at verse 15. Jesus says, or God says to him, I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. God's not finished with Jacob even today. God is still with Jacob. And if you apply this to us, this promise is to us. God has promised us eternal life. And He will not leave us until eternity is exhausted. That's how long our God is with us. What a God we serve. He is worthy of our vows. A God who is not only worthy to follow, He's worthy to believe, He's worthy to worship, He's worthy to vow. But as Jacob continues here, maybe even surprisingly, He's worthy of our prosperity. Jacob not only vowed, but get that now, he gave. Jacob gave. Jacob recognized that all he had was from God. And then, at the end of this chapter, he records, Of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. That's Jacob's idea. This wasn't a command from God. You don't see that. There's not even a hint of tithing in all that God said to Jacob. But he woke up and he believed, he vowed a vow, I'm going to give to the Lord. That was his natural response. In context, I think Jacob actually vowed to give a tenth. And while the main thrust this morning of this message is certainly not about tithing, unless it is, I'll say this, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And while this chapter ends here, this is not where we're going to end this morning. We've got a few more minutes and a few more principles. There's more to the story. God was not finished with Jacob no more than He's finished with us today. As mentioned, this passage here in Genesis 28 records Jacob deciding to follow God. This is his conversion chapter. He decided to follow the Lord and Bethel after departing home, and after God spoke to him. But even though Jacob was now a believer, as many of us are today, even as a believer, there was something missing in his life. You're like, what? How can something be missing in his life? There's something missing, significant, in Jacob's life. Something missing in many Christians' lives today as well. Turn with me to Acts or Genesis 32. Just a couple pages to the right. Genesis 32. Look at verse 24. Let me give you a little backdrop here. So all those things that happened, those things transpired, and Jacob is actually going back to make amends to his brother. He wants to make it right with Esau. Esau, this is, this is right in between that. So he comes back, he sends a lot of droves. You all remember the story? He sends a lot of things to be a blessing to Esau, and he puts himself all the way at the back of, of the the log pack, I don't know what else to call it, you know, all the way at the end of that. 
And before he gets to all those folks, some of those folks have already been across there. And the day prior to, to um, Jacob going across and meeting Esau, this happens. This happens. Verse 24, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, Penuel, for I have seen God face to face. That's what that word means, face to face, God face to face. And my life is preserved, verse 31. And he passed over Penuel the sun, as the sun rose over him, and he halted upon his thigh, he limped. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh, unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew. In his plan, in God's plan to transform Jacob from a man of deception to a man of distinction, God needed Jacob to rise a little more, to rise above himself. Jacob, in this passage here, we see that he prevailed. And I want to talk about what this prevailing means here. Again, we see Jacob alone. Great things happen when you're alone with God. Jacob is alone with God, and while God was certainly present at Bethel, you remember that, and he dreamed a dream, this time it was a little different. God was a little bit more personal this time. He was personal in our salvation, don't get me wrong, but this time it was a little different. God met Jacob face to face, and not only that, he wrestled. Jacob wrestled with God. And that word wrestle means exactly what it sounds like. Jacob grappled with God. He grappled with Him. To wrestle, if you think about this, one needs what? An opponent. If you just lay around the floor and whatever, <laughs> you need an opponent to wrestle. Two opponents in this mysterious match were very clearly God and Jacob. This was not a game. This was not a game to Jacob, and this was not a game to God. Think about this for a moment. As a believer... To wrestle means to oppose, right? To, to, you have to have an opponent. So if Jacob's wrestling God, is he for God or against God? I mean, what's the answer? He's against him. He's wrestling with him. There are some things in Jacob's life that he needs to get rid of, and that's why God is there. Before you go see Esau, before you take one more step in this life, we got to deal with some things, he says to Jacob. He wrestles. This wasn't a game. Jacob was a believer, but he still wrestled with God. How many of y'all wrestle with God? Jacob still wanted things his way, even as a believer. That can't happen, can it? Hmm. And if Jacob was going to prevail with God and men, I think, there's many applications in this, in this text here, I think he needed to see himself for who he was. He needed to see himself the way God saw him. Notice that when the grappling starts, Jacob is fighting against the Lord. But what's Jacob doing at the end of the hanging on? He's clinging. He, he switched from grappling to clinging. He's like, don't let me go. At first he's wrestling, trying to get past him. Now he's holding on, don't leave. Don't leave. 
Now he's clinging to the Lord. It was like God was trying to get his attention more than ever. I mean, I, I kind of picture this, them wrestling there across that, that river there, that creek there, and going back and forth, and God just trying to get a hold of Jacob in the face. Listen to me. There's some things we got to work about, talk about, work through. And once Jacob was pinned and he was in pain, it's like God grabbed his face and said, Look at me. What is your name? We get the idea, at least I get the idea, that, that this was the point of all this. Calm down and tell me your name. You know, I hope this comes across clear. Jacob answers with, I am Jacob. I am a deceiver. I am a supplanter. I am Jacob. You know, in the text, when is the last time Jacob told his name? I am Esau. Not Jacob. I am Esau. What's your name, Jacob? I am Jacob. Not Esau. I am the supplanter. I'm the deceiver. I'm the wicked man that you chose to bless. You see, I believe God wanted Jacob to completely surrender to him. He wanted Jacob to realize that God was his strength. And he dislocated his hip to prove so. God was his strength. And there was no amount of human energy that was ever going to accomplish what God expected of Jacob. It's the same is true of us. God didn't want a deceiver in the family of God. He wanted a prince. He wanted Israel. He desired a man of distinction. He wanted Israel. The Lord responds, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. What was missing from the life of Jacob? What did Israel have that Jacob did not have? Power. Power from God. Not through self, but through his Savior. Jacob prevailed. Verse 31 tells us that he halted upon his thigh. In other words, Jacob limped away. I pictured that. He left his family, you know, his, his, his children, all those things going off to meet, he thought, Esau. And then he comes back. He's, he's limping. Most believe that Jacob limped the rest of his life. A constant reminder to Jacob was that limp, that God is my strength. God is my refuge. Very much like Paul's thorn in the flesh. Jacob was at his strongest when he recognized his weaknesses. The word Israel actually means God prevails, not Jacob. God prevails. Friend, I want to ask a question as we kind of come to a close here this morning. And this is to me as well. What are we wrestling with? Are we wrestling with God about some things? Are there things in your life that simply need to be put away? Is God calling you to do more missions, to give more, to do more, to be more faithful? Whatever it may be, that's between you and God. But stop the wrestling and submit. Submit to God and realize that I can be, you and I both can have more power in His power instead of my power. Have you seen yourself the, the way God wants you to see yourself? Are you more like Jacob or are you more like Israel? Wherever you are, God wants your attention and He wants more. Depart from the world this morning. Listen to God with all your heart. Believe Him. Be courageous enough to vow, I will follow Him. And don't oppose Him. Find strength in Him. 
You know, Jacob left Bethel with a spring in his step. He left Penuel with a limp. And God did more through him with a limp than he ever did with just a spring. Desire greatly to be changed by God today, you and I, into a man or a person of distinction. Follow God's pattern in Jacob. It's a good start. You know, Psalm 51, I'll leave you with this. Psalm 51, 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not surprise. Jacob left Bethel, a believing man. He left Penuel, a broken man, broken for the Lord. That's where God wants us, to be broken for Him. And only in that moment can we do great and mighty things for the Lord. Let's go to him in prayer.